As we go through the summer, we're just talking about renewal and talking about renewing our hearts and renewing our minds on certain things that the Lord brings to our, wants to bring to our remembrance. And it just so happens that the next two weekends, it, it, yes, it's two weekends, it'll be this weekend and next where we celebrate Independence Day. Um, back in 1776, a group of men, 56 men, got together. Um, they came up with a declaration that they were declaring freedom from the rule of England over us. King George III no longer could take and tax us and take as much money as wanted, could uh, rob us of our religious freedoms, could tell us what could and couldn't be said from the pulpit, was um, trying to uh, really come down hard. And this morning, uh, we looked at that word declarations. We looked at what it is to declare something, to, 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 to make that a part of your life. And we even came up with a series, and I passed these out, and we'll have those if you weren't here this morning. It's per- personal declarations. There are things that we have to declare, because if not, what happens is many times we declare the wrong things because of things that go on in our life. There are situations that get inside of us and, and that we get into and think get in us, and if we're not careful, we have self-defeating thoughts. We have self that, that leads to self-defeating actions. And it begins to self-defeating life. And Jesus came, it says, that we may have life, John 10, 10, and have it more abundantly. Um, I was sharing with a, with a lady this, earlier this week, and she was really struggling. And she said how, the, how God, that she was having a struggle with God. That God had done all this stuff to her. <laughs> and I mean, it was bad. And she kept going. I was like, can I, can I just share one little thing? Just, just one little thing. Can I share one little verse? I said, if you feel like you've been taken from, you've been robbed from, if you feel like you've been destroyed, if you feel like things have, you've been defeated, I want to tell you, that's not God. And I can share scripture that says, the thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy. God said, I came, Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it more abundant. She kind of looked at me like, that's exactly what has happened. And you might want to take a moment and just think about, are you allowing the devil to continue to rob you? Or would you press into God? She did. She came in just for prayer. She just wanted us to pray for her, came off the street. And uh, so we're thankful that we're here and we're a light in this community. And we're thankful that a lot of this happened because of these declarations. And I wanna, I, I've got these here. There's a front and back. Also, I forgot to mention this morning, we do have personal declarations for women and personal declarations for men on the table closest to the door on the right. If you're heading out on the right, there's some for men and some for women. Um, ladies, don't take one and give it to your husband, please. Let them pick it up themselves. <laughs> men, don't pick one up and take it to your wife. Let them get it themselves. I'm just saving you some uh, some undue stress in your life. That's not a blessing. <laughs> you go, here, honey, read this. You know what that usually entails. You're not, oh, so you're saying, it's like, I'm just saying I want you to read it. No. So uh, we looked at those and we did say we've got to overcome the enemy with the word of God. And we've got to find what God says about it and declare that truth over every lie that we believe in. Over every lie that the enemy tells us, we declare God's truth over that. Amen. So that was this morning declarations. We're going to carry that on to tonight looking at. Instead of a declaration of independence, we're going to look at a declaration of dependence. 
declaration of dependence. Because if we look, many of our founding fathers and many of uh, the men that have helped form this nation and form our country, they've had wonderful things that, they, that, uh, that they've attributed to God in They've credited to God. Um, Patrick Henry, a great American, he was quoted as saying this, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not on religionists, but by Christians, not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For that reason alone, people of other faiths have been afforded freedom of worship here because of what... They did. That's where that came. It was out of Christianity. In 1787, after the Constitutional Convention, Alexander Hamilton is quoted as saying this. For my own part, I sincerely esteem the Constitution a system which, without the finger of God, never could have been suggested and agreed upon by such a diversity of interests. In other, everything that was going on, It had to be God that would bring people together and be able to write that and put that together. Um, Also, of the 52 of the 55 men that assembled for the Constitutional Convention, there were 52 of the 55 were, they they belonged to a church that were uh, Trinitarian churches. In other words, they believed in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 52 of them. And so... Uh, Many of them were presidents and founders of Bible societies. And so they knew the word of God. And if you think about it, the Declaration of Independence has at least four direct, uh, direct quotes or direct inferences from references to God and its body, Uh, including uh, starting in the second paragraph. It says this. We read this this morning. Our founding fathers put it this way. We hold We, talking about them, hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are are life, liberty, and... I I had to emphasize that word this morning and I want to emphasize it tonight. The pursuit of happiness. In other words, they didn't say it's up to us to make you happy. It's not up to the country... To, to meet all your needs and, and to make you happy. It says you get the freedom to pursue that, whatever that looks like for you. And it says that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Why? Deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. In other words, you and I, if you and I, we don't speak up and we don't tell our representatives what it is we like, what it is we don't like, don't complain when things don't go well because... That's the government they put for us. They, it's, it's a, represent, a representational government where we do have a say-so. It also says, um, in the last statement, it reads like this. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, talking about God, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And I shared at the end of the message this morning what all of the 56 signers, what they went through, many of them that that had fortunes, they all lost it all. They died impoverished. They died in rags because of them. They actually made that commitment and they held to it. 
Abraham Lincoln, um, not only did he say four score and seven years ago, but here's what President Lincoln, the 16th president, stated. I am profitably engaged in reading the Bible. Take all of this book up reason, uh, take all of this book up reason that you can and balance by faith and you will live and die a better man. Calvin Coolidge, our 30th president, stated, the foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. In other words, there's no way that we could be who we are and do what we do without the foundational truth found in Scripture. Our nation was founded on the truth of of what God says, not what man thought. Uh, JFK stated that America has been strengthened by Christian morality. Ronald Reagan has been credited and quoted as saying this, Without God, there is no virtue. Because there is no prompting of the conscience. Without God, there is no coursing of society. Without God, democracy... Oh, with God, God, yeah, there there is a coursing of society. Without God, democracy will not and cannot long endure. If we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. We have to realize... That God is doing something great and did something great. This. Now let me say this. All of these men, before they could ever write the Declaration of Independence, all of them, the 52 we read of that we just quoted, they already had a full dependency on who God was and what God was wanting to do in and through their lives and had the forethought to say, what does he want to do in a nation? What does a free nation look like? They had to go to the scripture in order to define that and able to write that. And so I want us to think about that as we look at this thing of declaration of dependence. What is it that you are dependent upon? When things get tough, and they get tough, when when life throws you not only a curveball but a fastball, it throws you a knuckleball that just kind of dances around where you can't see it. It throws you all kinds... What is it that you rely on in that moment? Because there's a thing that that sports scientists call this thing of muscle memory. We always like to to relish in people that do great things like whether it's hitting home runs or if it's a golfer, if it's it's somebody that plays softball, if it's it's somebody even in bowling or (laughs) you name it, whatever kind of sport, volleyball. There's a thing called muscle memory, and it's something in basketball, the way they shoot. It's something they do over and over and over and over and over and over. They practice and practice it till they get it down so well that it just becomes natural for them to do it. I believe our forefathers had studied the scriptures over and over and over and over, and they knew what the Lord wanted to do in a nation and what it would look like to be free. And so... For us, when we look at this thing of dependency upon God, I want us to, if you got your Bibles, you can open to Psalms 33, verse 12. It says this, blessed is the nation. And that word blessed means this, happy. That's what it means. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance. That is 
And I want to say this to each individual. Happy is the person whose God is the Lord. If you choose to make him your Lord and your God, your life, I promise you, will only, um, on this earth, I'm not saying it'll be pleasant because Jesus promised in this world we would have trouble, but he would be with us in the midst of our deepest, darkest moments as well as our, our highest mountains that we get to. He'll be there for us. And so when it comes to looking at government, although God could fully run the government, if you'll remember, um, the nation of Israel, because of their desire to be like those around them, God wanted to be their king. But they kept saying, well, we want, we want a king like everybody else. And God said, am I not doing it good enough? Do you need, you think somebody else could do it better? And then he even told them, if you get a king, he's going to take you slave. You're going to work for him. And they said, we don't care. We want a king like everybody. And God in his graciousness afforded them a king. Jesus is our king. He has come back and he's taken the throne forever and ever. And it's our responsibility to put him as first place and as Lord. As far as nations go, this is where we get to participate in the process. God's not running a nation in that he chooses people to do that. He uses us to do that. And so the power of choice is what provides us several things that we should consider. And that power of choice, it can be a uh, this thing what we call a free will. This is where we struggle with the most, especially with our fellow men. Because everybody has the power of choice. And what we want, we want people to choose what we think they should choose. Remember when your kids were little, <laughs> when they started to develop some autonomy. <laughs> and you asked them to come here, and it's like, oh, no. I want to go that way. And you're like, no, stop, come here. And it took a lot of training to get them to stop. When you say stop, they'll be running like, stop. And then, you know, first like, uh. and then your, your voice gets louder and louder. Some people went to a counting method. I don't know where that came from thinking, well, when I get to three, I'm like, why can't you just do it when you say, you know, you don't have to count to three. You can do it. Hey, I said, stop. Um, training process. When we look at this, all of us have choices. So so with God, the same thing. He gives us choices. And this is the first thing that we want to look at when we look at this. First, God is not going to make us run a government a certain way. He gives us a choice to choose who, based on our relationship, based on who we're connected with, if it's the Lord, we'll be blessed and the nation will be blessed. He gives us that opportunity and calls us into relationship. And our forefathers knew this, that, hey, we're, we're choosing God and we want everybody to, and the nation needs to do that. Secondly, um, choice is ultimately just that, a choice. It's always just a choice. It's a powerful thing that we're given to do, and we can't take it lightly. That's what Joshua 1.9 says. For I've commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then in Joshua 24, 15, a very familiar passage of Scripture to many of us. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day. Our nation is in a crossroad right now, choosing 
this day who they're going to serve. Are they going to serve man and say, hey, man is what we call humanism to say man's the king, man's supreme. We can take care of ourselves, Lord. We don't need you. Or are we going to say, Lord, I can't do this life without you. And I wasn't meant to. We need you on the throne, first of our hearts, and then also to the people that are governing us. It says, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. And he goes on to say, he made a declaration. Joshua made a declaration. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Have you made that statement yet? That proclamation, that declaration? I don't know about anybody else. They may go do what they want. But as for me and those that I'm under, those that are under me, we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to do it in such a way that we're going to, we're going to bring people along the journey with us. Again, in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 10, Solomon said it this way, choose my instructions. It's a choice. Instead of silver, knowledge, uh, instead of silver, knowledge, Rather than choice gold. What Solomon said is that, look, I can have all the silver and I can have all the gold, but if I don't know how to rightly use it, it'll just disappear. It'll just go right on out. How many of you remember in your days before Christ, money just seemed to kind of just go on? I had it. I can't tell you. And maybe you've said this statement before once or twice. I wish I had all the money I'd wasted. And I'm saying, well, you don't have to do that because the Bible says God will restore the years the canker worm have eaten away that they came in and tried to root out and take away. God will restore back to us. And so that's what we look for. Thirdly, you and I can choose whether who we want to govern because, why? Simply because God has chosen us. That's the beauty of this. God chose us. We didn't choose him, but he chose us. Look what it says right here next. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But you are a chosen people. Peter put it that way. You're a chosen people. Talking about those who chose God, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Have, have you, do, you, do you see yourself? I don't belong to myself. I was bought with a price. I belong to him and he belongs to me that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Is that not good, Jesus? He loves us that much. Thank you, Lord. That's right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Again, we go on and we look, and it says right here um, that what, what as far as choosing, flip to the next one for me, Patrick, if you would. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We're um, the three things that it's going to take when we begin to move forward into all God has us. There's three C's. The first one is, is courage. We've got to have courage. And courage is not the absence of fear. Many people think, I've, I've read stories. If you ever start reading stories of the men and the women that go into battle, the men, they would go in and they would, it's not that they weren't afraid. It's like, oh yeah, I like having people shooting bullets at me. I, I just need to, in spite of the fear, they said, Lord, I trust that what you're doing is more important than what I have. And so courage is not the absence of fear, but moving on God, even in the midst of it, I'm trusting you. That's what it says right here. Um, flip that next one for me. Thank you, Patrick. 
doing a great job. Give it up for Elder Eads up there going at it. He can do it all. He said once again in Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or be afraid. Do not be discouraged for your Lord, the Lord your God will be with you and wherever you go. Again, it says this, that in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong. In other words, know, who, know what you believe, knowing who you believe in and stand strong in that. Don't matter what somebody else thinks. You know, many times we worry about what other people will think about us. It doesn't matter. I always remember this years ago. I don't know where I got it from, but it was, you know, when you're zero to 30, you worry about, you worry so much about what people think about you. Then from 30 to 60, you don't care what anybody thinks about you. Then when you get 60 on, you realize people ain't been thinking about you at all. You just, (laughs) you just realize, hold it. I was doing all the thinking about myself and projecting onto everybody else what they were thinking. And it's like, no, they were really thinking about themselves, what they could do. And, and I don't mean that really, being a little facetious. But it is true in this, that we've got to be careful that we don't worry so much what other people think. Yeah, we want to, we want to honor and we want to spread, uh, respect them. But really more important, Lord Jesus, what are you saying to me personally? What are you wanting to do in and through my life and in and through our nation? Next it goes on, uh, we go from... We go from courage, and then we got to go to conviction. And conviction, that's one that uh, many people find it hard. That's, where, that's what drives you when things get difficult. When you've got a conviction over something, and you're steadfast knowing what you're supposed to be doing, kind of like, and I don't want to step on any toes here, but when you're convicted over a certain situation in your life about what you should or should not be eating, It takes conviction to be able to stand strong. Listen, when other people in the house don't have the same conviction. (laughs) It's easy when the whole, you want to call everybody in and say, no, this is what we're doing. (laughs) The Lord's speaking to you and you got to say, oh, no, no, no. It takes conviction to stand strong in the midst of temptation or in discouragement you got to say, no, I believe in what I'm doing. Lord, I know you've called me to this, and I'm going to stand strong with that. That's what it says right here. Flip that for me, Mr. Reverend Eads. It says in Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, what? All things are possible. We've got to be convicted of that, and we've got to begin to say, Lord, you can do anything. That's got to be a reality in our hearts that we don't limit God on what he can do. I, if I could say one thing to you tonight that would that I hope would encourage you more than anything, don't limit God. Many people limit God. If I could say the one thing that brought me out of where I was, the dark, the depth, to go from being in jail on a Saturday to being in the light on a Sunday and never going back, is I never limited on what God could do. I just believe what he said and said, okay, well, you're just good. You're better than whatever I could even come up with in my mind. And I'm just trusting you to do what you say you'll do, that you'll renew, you'll restore. I, in the midst of my mess, in the midst of my messing up, it's still, Lord, I'm just going after you. 
If you look at every great man and woman in the Bible, it wasn't that they didn't have problems. They just chose that, Lord, I'm just trusting you more in your ability and what you can do instead of me and my ability and what I can do. Amen? So don't, don't limit him in that. Then it goes on also right here, Matthew 10, 27. What I tell you in the dark, this is where conviction comes in. Speak in the daylight. Now, the only problem with that is you've got to spend time with the Lord. This is basically talking about getting in our closet to hear from the Lord. Many of us, and it's okay to start out that way. I did the same thing. Many of us, this is why you need to be in small groups. This is why you need to come to church. This is why you need to be going to Bible study. You need to have people pour into you to tell you what the Word of God says. And so when they spend that time alone, for me, I get to spend many hours. I get to make a choice every morning that I can spend. I get to spend, y'all, you don't even know, two, three hours in the morning. It just depends on how early you want to get up. (laughs) Some of you go, I would love to do that. It's like, not really. (laughs) Not get up early. But if you did, and I'm not saying do it, you can do it in the the evening. But I know if I wait till night, hmm. Mm, there's a lot of take, there's a lot that's taking place in that day, and when it gets towards the evening, I'm not nearly as fresh with the Lord at night than I am in the morning when it's just not, man. His word comes alive; it's all new. Maybe it's just because I'm a morning person, but it's it's beautiful. I can spend as many hours as I want. What it says here is I've got to spend that time hearing what He says, so then I can speak it. I take that time to do it. The same thing with you. God wants you. To take time to listen to him every day. He's got something to take his word out. Start reading it. He'll he'll make it come alive. It'll become rhema as you just are be faithful to read it. And then it says, whatever is whispered in your ear. Notice the way that God says what I tell you and what I whisper to you. It's not shouting and screaming. Let's be honest. Many of us would love it if the Lord would just say, hey, stop that. You know. What are you doing? (laughs) It would make it so much easier for us. But I'm reminded of Elijah when he had, you know, he had just called fire down from heaven. And he heard that Jezebel was trying to take his life. And he went and hid in the cave. Lord, Lord, take my life. Lord, you just saw the fire come down from heaven. And 400 of the false prophets of Baal were destroyed and wiped out. And you're worried about one woman that says she's going to kill you. And he's in there worried about it. And what happened? God came with an earthquake. He came with, 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 a, with a hurricane. He came with, all, with fire. And he, it said the Lord wasn't in any of them. It said he came with a small, still voice. I believe it was the same voice that he called Adam and Eve out when they had sinned. Because he asked, where are you? He didn't go up there and say, I see what you did. (laughs) He didn't do that. He said, hey, where are you? That small, still voice. When when he's speaking to you, he's not yelling at you. Hey, there's going to come a blast. That's going to be a trumpet blast. Now, I'm excited. I'm looking for that. But I'm telling you, he says, what I tell you, speak in the daylight. And it says, what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. So it's up to us. God speaks and we get to do. Praise the Lord. That's, that's when we look at this thing of conviction. Next one says, it tells us this. This is beautiful. The third thing is, we, we looked at it, is counsel. 
Counsel is one that many times, and this is the worst one for men. I'm going to go ahead, men, I'm going to call this out. We always want to do things ourselves. I can do it. I've got this. Asking for help is not one of our big qualities. Like in our society, I don't know whether it's in, you know, if it's something we picked up just inherently, but, but it's, I don't need help. I can do it. And it's almost if we're weak, if we ask for help. And I'm going to tell you, asking for help is not a weakness. It's a strength. And I want us to begin to reverse the lie that the enemy tells. Because the enemy is the one that says, don't ask for help. You know why? So he can keep you sick. It's just like, let me give you, it's in scripture. The devil roams around like a roaring lion. You've seen the Mutual of Omaha. Some of y'all remember the old thing. Or you've seen pictures of the lion that's sitting here running. It's looking for that little gazelle, the little one. It's like, ah, little, little cute one. They're looking to try to get one alone. They, they just want, if I can just separate them, get them off by themselves, then I can rip them to shreds. The enemy's no different. He wants to get us all alone, get us off by ourselves. And, and the same thing, if we can try to do it ourselves or we can say, I need help. That's why small groups, they're going to be there. You know, some are going now, but over the, over the next, in the, in the coming fall year, Look, you can not only join a small group, you can actually start a small group. You can bring people together for prayer. You can bring people together for relationship. It's a powerful thing. And I want to, I want you to think about it this way. If you will simply reach out for help, God will meet you and he'll put people across your path. Proverbs 15, 22 says this, plans fail for what? Lack of counsel. But with many advisors come success. They succeed. In other words, if I just, in my own finite brain, and I can think of something, and, and I, you know, especially think, think about this for a second. There are people that go to school for years over this thing. They get this thing called an engineering degree. And, and they can think things in so technical terms, and it just comes natural to them. And, and, and it's amazing at, at how God's wired them in such a way to be able to do that. I want to tell you that each one of us have gifts. And when we look at this, if we don't bring all the gifts together, we don't bring people into our thing. Hey, let me, what do you think about this? Hey, what we do is we limit God's ability in using other people as well. Thank you, Lord Jesus. First Kings 22, 5 says this. Jehoshaphat was talking. And Jehoshaphat said, also said to the king of Israel... First, seek the counsel of the Lord. It is important that as we continue to move on, that what we do is we always, always, always bring other people in. We're always better together than we are by ourselves. It's true of a nation. It's true of a church. It's true of a family. It's true of anything you're doing, of a, of a business. When you bring people in and you bring people into it, you're welcoming in counsel. You're bringing truth in. And you can, uh, you can actually always, you and I, we both can do much better. Now, many of you know that I, am, uh, I, I was raised in a, in a family that we played sports. I, from the time, I mean, I was little, we wrestled. And it was wrestling. It wasn't wrestling. It was wrestling. <laughs> if you get that straight. I don't know where wrestling came from. But nobody wrestled. We wrestled. Um, we played, we played sports. I've shared with y'all. I had two older brothers that could not 
compete against each other because they literally was to the death. It was like a gladiator, Roman gladiator thing. It's to the death. They could not. And so God in his grace and mercy towards them put a sister between us and then there's me. You know, it's like Michael, Mitchell, Michelle, Mark. And so it made it easy for them to compete Mark against us and everything like basketball, whether I mean, these, these are sports that were individual sports. It's not that I didn't know that. Like we would pay, play 21 in basketball, which is a sport where Everybody would try to get to 21. You would, you would play, each person had to get to 21, and whoever made it to 21 first won. When our house, in our backyard, it wasn't everybody. It was Michael Mitchell would play to me, and it's like, we're going to play to 21, and we'll give you 19 points. <laughs> now, me being naive, I was like, okay, that's good. You can give me 90. All I got to do is score one basket. Do you know what happens when you got trying to score one basket against two older brothers? As, as soon as I would get close, they would just clean my clock. And go, Oh, we found you. Here's the ball. It's yours. I'm like, that's just not even fair. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this. It's really, it can get annoying and be frustrating. However, as you grow up, you get real good at things where you're like, oh, it didn't seem fun then, but now, oh, wow, wrestling's real fun and basketball and baseball. It, it helps in that. I want to think about, there was a while back, um, ESPN, um, I was actually watching women's softball um, because of, you know, Gators and, and different things. They go for the national championship. They did win it last year. Not that I'm saying anything for that or in accordance with that, but... Um, I was watching, and this girl came at bat, um, and and uh, women's softball is not what it used to be. That, let me let me help you out. It's no longer the long, the 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 high pitch. Woo, you take a nap, you you pull out your stopwatch, you go to the concession stand, you come back, and then they swing. It's no longer that. Now they're actually pitching as fast as the men because of how close the plate is and the underarm. Fling. I mean, they go 90, 100 miles an hour as well. And so um, they had got, this one girl had gotten up and um, threw the fastball. She timed it perfectly, and she gets a hold of it, and she sends it out of the park. I mean, gone. She goes around excited. Woo, they just won. So she goes over. It was two outs. She gets it, knocks it out like old Casey. She actually rounds first. Woo. High fives the coach, first base coach, woo, goes to second, looking at third, gets to third base, high fives the third base, woo, comes home, everybody cleared the dugout, there, they come all the, you know, team comes out, woo, and they're all jumping around, woo, yeah, they celebrate, and she goes to walk off, and the pitcher for the other team grabs the ball, takes it, they throw a ball to him, she walks up to the person and tags her, and they said, what happened? said, you didn't touch home plate. She never, in all of her exuberance and all that she was jumping around and getting excited, she just forgot to do one thing and one thing only. This, it was something that, uh, that, that, that she, 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 she did something tremendous, but we've got to be careful of the main thing, keeping the main thing the main thing. You, you, you started at home plate. Make sure when you get there, you want to make sure and touch that. We don't want to leave and, and go and say, well, I just, man, I did that so good. And it's like, I forgot 
the main thing I needed to be doing, and that is to get to that plate, to make sure I touch that. I've had that happen at different times in different games where people would get so fast and they forget to touch a base and they throw it and, oops, you thought you got it. No, you didn't because you didn't touch that base. People watch for that stuff. I just want to tell you, as we're sitting here celebrating this wonderful, you know, 240-something celebration of our independence, we want to make sure that we touch home base and our home base is heaven. That we don't get so wrapped up in that, look, we are a part of a kingdom and it is the kingdom of God. We do celebrate what he's done in America and we continue to, to, to allow him to rule and reign, but we've got to make sure that we continually stay home, uh, touch at home base, which is the Lord in heaven. It goes back to, to 30, uh, Psalms 33, 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for inheritance. This is what happens when we do this. And I close with these three things. When we do this, this is what happens. We are sensitive to God's prompting. See, God will speak to you at, at various times. And just prompt you to do something. You ever been driving and God prompts you to go a certain way and you choose, nah, I'm not going to go that way and end up in a traffic jam? <laughs> you ever, you ever going, I, I believe there are times where he prompts us to do different things in a, in a grocery store, at a restaurant, at home, prompt you to do something, prompt you to call somebody. When, uh, when we're, what happens is we make him first touch at home place, stay connected there. We're sensitive to God's promptings. We are secure in God's promises. It's not my promise, it's His promise. I can know for a fact that if I trust Him, He'll do what He says He'll do. And then finally, we're sanctified through what? The power of God's Word. This is why it's so vital for every believer, every believer to get in the Word of God. And I challenge you, whatever you got to do, whatever obstacle you need to break down, whatever it is, that conviction of, hey, it's not because it's going to make me right. Like, if I don't do this, I won't be right with God. It's because I am right with God. It's because He's already washed me. He's already cleansed me. And He wants to download His thoughts into my thoughts. And I get to think God thoughts. I don't know about you, but I don't. we, we shared some of that this morning. I don't naturally do that all the time. You don't naturally do that all the time. You live and I live. We live in a fallen world. Where many times we're not careful, things will come. And that's why the word of God, we have to stay in it and allow it to permeate every part of us so that it's a natural response. When things come at us, Lord, it's only natural that we use your word to overcome the power of your word that sanctifies, that works itself through us, through and through, doing his work, his will, his way. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for your word. Lord, I do thank you for the men and women of this nation that you raised up, Lord, over the, the centuries, Lord God, who heard your voice and were not worried what other people thought or what other people said. And in spite of adversity, they pressed through knowing what you were wanting to do. Lord, may we today have the courage, Lord, have the conviction and have the counsel, Lord God, that we wouldn't shrink back so that, Lord, we would continue to seek you knowing that you're leading and guiding us. Lord, we declare your lordship over our lives and in turn over the nation, over this, the life of this nation. And, Lord, we thank you 
that you are our God. You said, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Lord, we declare your lordship over us in this nation. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the men and women. And you continue to raise up men and women that know you and love you, that will govern in a way that brings honor to you. It's for our good and it's for your glory. Lord, I thank you for doing it. I thank you for blessing. Lord, those who celebrate, Lord, this this coming week, Lord, I thank you for causing conviction to come over this nation in such a way that, Lord, we won't look to ourselves. We'll look to you and see what you're saying and what you're wanting to do in and through each one of us. Lord, I thank you for using it, using this time for us to reflect and draw close to you so you can draw close to us. Lord, we celebrate your life in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And I just want you to to think about tonight, if there's anybody that has a need, we'll be here to pray for you. We'll be up here. Um, We don't want anybody to leave that has a need. I believe God wants to touch every life. There's no situation that it's too big for Him. And we want to believe with you for that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you would stand up at this time, time, I want to bless you. Actually, God wants to bless you. He just uses me to do that. Praise the Lord. Father God, you're created the universe. You commanded blessing to be spoken over your people that your name might be placed on them. And in so doing, Lord, you in turn would do the blessing. And so I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord causes face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen.